Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Hi, guys. We are the Real Estate Women, and I'm Crystal. However, we are the Real Estate Women minus one today because Colleen has a very important thing. She has to take care of her little baby on the way. So we are going to be missing her dearly in this episode, but um, we, you still have the three of us plus our awesome guests. So again, I'm Crystal. I'm Candy. And I'm Tamara. Welcome to the um, Passive Investing Podcast. In today's episode, we would want to talk about how important things like financial education are for your kids because it's the cornerstone uh, to helping them understand what isn't necessarily taught in the classroom and how them becoming involved in the process ultimately creates generational wealth. And that's why we brought Camilla on this episode. Hi, Camilla, Camilla is a mom of five, serial entrepreneur and investment enthusiast who is dedicated to helping women make, uh, um, helping women make their first million. She is a general partner in 200 million real estate uh, portfolio and an investment coach for women who are looking to change their family's financial trajectory and help educate women and families on the strategies and tools they need to build generational wealth. So welcome, Camilla. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, ladies. I'm super excited to be here. I love talking real estate and investing with other women. So this is so fun for me. So the wow. magic question, like real estate, why? <laughs> How'd you get why? started? <laughs> okay, how did I get started? So my husband and I got married very young and we were very poor. We were both struggling college students, working part-time jobs, going to school full-time and doing it without student loans because we were determined not to do that. Um, so at the time we were living in a garage like a converted garage apartment because mm -hmm. uh, that's all we could afford <laughs> and one day the la landlady came around to collect rent uh, because back then she wanted us to like put it in an envelope and stick it on the door <laughs> that's how it was collected right uh, she came around to collect rent and I just started chatting with her and I said you know I know you have several rentals in the city how do you do that and she said, well, you know what you should do is you should buy a house. And I was like, what lady? I live in your garage apartment. <laughs> I can't afford a house. She said, no, no, this is what you do. You buy a house that has a basement apartment in it, and then you rent out the basement. And that way you can live cheaper. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And that's exactly what we did. We went from living in somebody's nasty garage apartment to a six-bedroom home with a basement unit in it that had a kitchen and stuff. And then, and it even had a pool in the backyard. I mean, how cool is that? And we paid less living there than we did in the garage apartment. And that's when I got fired up about real estate. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Wow. Well, and is, how long from the time that you asked that question, did you, were you able to be in that six bedroom? Within home? a couple of months, within a couple of months, we just took wow. action. We said, okay, we'll do it. Let's wow. see what we can find. Well, do you mind if I ask like what year it was like to think about the, mm -hmm. the in your age or anything like it that? It was like 2002, around 2002 is when that happened. 2001. 
let's see. Yeah, 2002. Yeah, that's when my daughter was born. Okay, 2002. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And one thing I want to say about that is that I was just curious as to like the time, the time frame that we're going to be talking about today. But the other reason is, is that there's never a wrong time to invest in real estate. And people often think, mm -hmm. wow, that was in 2002. I can't do that now. And that's yeah. not true. And that's mm -hmm. not true. It might be a little bit trickier if you don't have money and you need to have somebody else help you with a down payment somehow, whether it be the seller is doing seller financing, but it still can be done. And I, I want to just continue to give mm -hmm. that hope to people out there that are still wanting to live that dream. This is so cool. It's such a wonderful story. Yeah. No, that, that was, so was that your first, like, oh my gosh, like, okay, that, that's a whole nother way to look at things like your finances. And did it kind of help you realize, well, I don't have to be the one to always pay the bill. Like, um, utilizing things like loans, um, leveraging income. And it, when was it exactly that the financial education bug hit you? Because was it maybe for your kids or was it before when you started realizing the important things you may not have learned in school? Like, like I, that's when that's mm -hmm. happened for me at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after I graduated college, so I had a baby during college and then, and then got pregnant with twins right before I graduated. So I like, you know, I graduated with twin babies. So I had, and then, you know, fast forward a couple of more years, I had two more kids. So I had five kids in eight years. Now you can imagine that daycare expenses for five little kids is mm -hmm. enormous. It was more than, you know, my degree in English education could afford. <laughs> so, so I became the at-home parent. But there was part of me that absolutely loved it. I loved being with my children, but there was a part of me that was super frustrated that I felt like I wasn't contributing to the family finances. And so I started just doing a deep dive into, well, how can I contribute? And I was playing with like, you know, little, I, I launched little businesses here and there to bring in some income. But then I had an aha moment when I was reading a book that said, why don't you become the CFO of your family? Um, and I was like, that's really interesting concept to like treat your family as its whole financial organization as a business, basically. And I'm going to be the CFO. I'm not going to be the one that generates the revenue, but that's only one piece of a whole business operation, right? There's managing the expenses. There's, you know, figuring out how to invest the money and all of that. And so I'm like, okay, yep, sign me up. I will do that part. Now I started diving deep into investing, trying to figure it out. And this is while we're, you know, living in this home. And I was just, I, I was reading books on the stock market, you know, and I, it just, it was not clicking. I tried so hard. <laughs> I tried really hard to really understand stocks, but it's such a um, concept that's, it's not a tangible concept, right? It's not, it's not something mm -hmm. I could touch or see or feel yeah. or, you know, yeah. do anything like that. And I was like, you know, I think real estate is where I got to go. And so I started reading a ton of real estate books. And then we then we just started acquiring properties. And so we did the live in flip method where you like move into a house that's a junker mm -hmm. uh, because you can get the best financing, the lowest down payment. Um, so it's, it's very cost friendly. Uh, and then you live in a construction mess, not the most comfortable place, you know, way to invest, right. but it works and fix it up. And you use a tax strategy where you live there for two years, then you rent it for three years, 
and then you sell it at year five and you pay no taxes at all, yeah. right? And so that's the strategy that we utilize. And we just basically did that like clockwork. Every two years, we just get a new one and we go and we live in, you know, construction. And after a while, it got annoying because I was like, man, we fix it so nice for someone else to live. <laughs> And then I got to go live in a dump again. You know, so that strategy is only sustainable for so long, but it's actually a really great way to get started. Um, and so as I was diving into this, I was all self-taught. I mean, back to the original question, right? How did I get going? It was all self-taught. And I was just, and I got frustrated. And as my kids started getting older, I was like, I need to take their financial education more seriously because mm -hmm. I don't want them like flailing around like I did when I was in my twenties, just trying to figure things out and not understanding. And, and, and you're just having to read a book and then just like DIYing myself through life. Like, yeah, I think there's a better way here. Um, and now that I have learned all of these skills, who better to teach it to first than my children. And so that's what really like got me going on financial education path. Were your kids open to that or was it something that you had to like sneak in and reward? <laughs> Very, do that, then yeah, get exactly. So, so kids are of course excited about getting money in their hands, right? Like in having sure. control, like all kids want control of whatever they yeah. can control and they feel like they don't get to control a lot. So when we um, introduced, when we started doing our, you know, our financial training with them, we, we did it in a way where what we did is we launched a family bank. And so it's the, it's this family bank system that I developed at age five is when kids start entering into the, the financial education training. And, and what we did is like at, at each age, I just kind of broke it out. And, and of course, as the kids were growing, I was learning as I go with them about what they could learn and handle learning and what they needed to be a little bit older to understand. Sure. So at age five, I just wanted to start developing habits of, uh, of giving, of saving and investing, right? So those are the three habits that we focused on. And the way we did this with our family bank is we um, we would pay the kids an allowance. And I know that's kind of like a, a arm wrestling term, like, God, oh, I hate it, I love it, or whatever, right? Mm. For us, it, the, it was just part of their financial education. Like you cannot teach kids about money if they don't have money in their hands. Now you can tie stuff to chores, but what if the kid chooses not to do the chore? Now they right. don't learn how money works, right? So for us, we did a combination. We did a very small allowance, which was $1 per age per month, right? So when they're five years old, well, let's just use 10 year old because that's easier math. 10 years old, they get 10 bucks a month, right? Very small, but enough for them to buy a little piece of candy or something here and there. Now, if they wanted more money than that, we gave them plentiful opportunities to do that. We had like job charts that we had assigned dollar figures to. So things like weeding the garden were extra jobs. Now, everybody had to do their regular chores, like clean their room. They had a zone of the house that they had to keep, keep and then they had a dishes job, right? But there was extra jobs that they could do to earn money. So then what we did just to keep things simple and easy on me was we had payday once a month. Um, and another reason to do it just once a month was to teach kids how to make their money last longer mm -hmm. as well. Right. So that's another skill that they have to learn. So once a month we would have payday and the kids, um, so we'd sit down and, you know, for our 10 year old, we'd be like, give them $10. 
Then we went through a series of, okay, 10% you give, right? So that's $1. So $1 you're giving. Now, what does the giving look like? Well, for us, it, it was tithe to a church, but for others, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you can talk to your kid about finding a charity that they want to donate to, and then they donate their money to that charity. The second 10% was long-term savings. Now, long-term savings is savings is money meant to be used once after they graduate high school, whether that be for college or for launching a business mm-hmm. or for going to trade school, whatever they need as an adult to go on. That's long-term savings. So they would save 10%, so another dollar, which mom and dad matched. So we would match that. So it would be $2 that they would get in there. The third, the, the next 30% was investing into the family bank. Now we did a family bank because for kids, investing in like a mutual fund is not very exciting. Again, they can't understand. I couldn't understand it when I was in my twenties. Like how can I expect a five-year-old or 10-year-old to understand it? So we created a family bank where if they kept the money in there, they got paid 10% interest per month. Yes, that is very inflated. <laughs> like I would love an investment like that, right? But it's right. inflated for a reason because they're right. so little that it, they don't really, it's not very exciting, right? So my 10-year-old puts in $3, right? Then he gets 30 cents per month for each of those $3 that he leaves in there. And so that's that's how we worked on investing. And this and this system worked really well for kids, kids ages 5 to 11. So I'll pause there and see if you have any questions about like the younger kids before we go into the older teenagers, <laughs> what to do with them. Well, that, I just have to say that was I, fantastic. And I want to grow up in your house. <laughs> right? I literally have a four-year-old and I'm like on the verge oh. of like, how am I going to figure out the best way? Because I think financial education is so important. Like, I think it's probably one of the most important things that people never really learn in school. So I'm totally on the same page and I'm like absorbing this like, this is genius. This just saved me so many hours of Googling, book reading, all of which I'll probably still end up doing, but to already get started and have that, that's so huge. And I, I love every, just all the key points because um, some other strategies that I've heard, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said they, it's difficult for them to wait. It's difficult to, once they have that money mm-hmm. in their hand, like you go, you go on vacation, you have $10 or $20 to spend. Well, the first store they walk into, there's instantly that toy they must have. And then two hours later, they walk into the second store and they're at money. So that's been something we've tried to teach our four-year-olds slowly as we, every time we go away. And it's just, I love the way you're doing it. So I'm super interested to hear more on how you do it as they get older. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and that, and think about it as like a financial planning month too. So we sit down all together with all the kids and we look at the calendar. We're like, okay, you know, you've got this coming up. You need extra money for that. We do allow them to pull money out of their investment account, right? Of their family bank to use for a birthday coming up or for a holiday or something. Um, but then also it solves the problem of when you go to the grocery store and the kids are like, mommy, I want a candy. And you're like, oh, did you bring your money? And they're like, no, you're like, oh, darn it. Maybe next time, if you bring your money, you can get a candy. And they're like, oh, dang it. So it like turns it back on them instead of they're mad at you for not buying them a candy. They're like, mm, I got to bring my money next time. And next time they bring their money and they buy their little Tic Tacs. My daughter loves Tic Tacs. <laughs> That's cute. Um, oh, and so, the first yeah. thing I'm thinking is, oh, man, I never have cash. I need to get my daughter like a rechargeable Visa card, the gift card, because I've literally 
like, I know she's going to be that one. She like kind of doesn't really get too much of the concept of cash because my husband and I never carry cash. So I was like, do you have your card with you, mom? Did you bring your card? Mm. Do you have this? Can I have my gift? Cause we give her gift cards when we go away to Disney, all that stuff. And that's how she holds in her purse and takes care of it. So do you find that having the physical cash there for them is something that's beneficial? Or do you find now that with cash not being used often, you, What's your opinion on that? I'm super curious. So here's the thing with cash. I actually do like cash a lot with the ages 5 to 11 because they can see when it's gone, it's gone, right? It's true. And so it's a very tangible. Remember, 5-year-olds, 5 to 11-year-olds are still very tangible. It's hard for them to think that there's no more money on the card when they still have the card in their hand, they're like, I, you know, and so that's a hard, that's a more difficult concept, not saying that kids can't get it. And we are moving to a cashless age, but still having the little cash in their hand. And it also teaches them like counting and money. And so math skills is, is reinforced through having that cash too. So mm-hmm. I actually do like cash for that purpose, just that age five to 11. Now, when we get to 12 year olds, we move on from cash. Yeah. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. So I'm very interested to see how with the older kids, if you start to introduce leverage. So I'm, you want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So my thoughts exactly, actually. Next step is ages 12 to 15. So I like put them into this, like this okay. kind of preteen, starting to be teens anyway, um, phase. So at this point at age 12, They've made enough money that they have to be kicked out of the family bank because the family bank cannot sustain them anymore. It's, they, they cost too much, right? Like if they have, just think about it. If they have $500 in the family bank, they're earning 50 bucks a month. I mean, that, that scales really fast. So they got to be kicked out of the family bank at this point. And so now we introduce the concept of real banking. And so we go and we, we sign up at a, at a real bank. We move all that money into the real bank. Um, we get them a real debit card. And so they, they feel very fancy mm-hmm. because they've got a debit card with their name on it, you know, and then, um, and then we, we learn about like my 12 year old, we just went through this with my youngest. We just, um, she got the app on her phone so she can, you know, control her account. And so it's, it's those teaching moments to, to learn how real banking works at that point, you know? And so, so that happens. We continue, um, also the allowance stops because at age 12, they are perfectly capable of earning all of their own money. And they're a little more motivated to earn bigger money because they want the nicer shoes or they want other other things, right? They want what their friends want. So whatever their friends want, your child wants. That's what happens when they're 12. Um, and uh, so so at age 12, we, in, we also, in, so we keep the um, saving, giving, and investing. We keep the percentages mm-hmm. the same um, to continue those habits and and also us it was important for us in our own business so we had our we have our own real estate investing business and our kids work in the real estate investing business and so that's a lot of how they get paid they could do outside jobs like my you know we encourage all sorts of entrepreneurship at this age as well like how can you launch your own business what kind of what can you do to uh, bring in extra money or extra cash um, and and we help them do that and then we also introduce the concept of budgeting at age 12, like a bigger budget. And so you can start with a smaller one. And um, a, a good idea is to start with like a three-month budget and give your child a three-month 
toiletry budget. This works really well for girls, not so great for boys because they don't really care. But for girls, it's they like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're just starting to get interested in makeup and they want to try all the new little products and stuff. And so you can give them a, a budget for three months for toiletries. And what we do is we like map it out. And, and I have the kids do this. I have the kids like write down shampoo. It's going to be $8 for the three months or something, whatever. And then we total it up and then I deposit that full amount into their account. Um, and now they are responsible for buying their own toiletries. So if they need something, they've, they've got to come with me to the store and get it. Um, we also do this in a bigger way with clothing. So clothing, we do a nine to 12 month budget. So we sit down, we map out for a year. What kind of clothes hmm. are you going to need? Assign a dollar figure to each set of clothing. And then we transfer that large amount into their account and now they're responsible to spread that out over almost a year that gets tricky right because what mm -hmm. if they run out of money when it's swimsuit season we always do it in august we start it in august when like school starts and so they're mm -hmm. you know getting their school clothes and stuff but what if they run out of money and they need a new swimsuit guess what they'll have to earn some money to get a new swimsuit right they, and so they're learning these skills of, okay, I have to manage my money. Otherwise I run out and then I have to pay for things that I don't want to pay for. I wanted mom to pay for that. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and, and you also, it just kind of stops all of this begging for money or, or, or the entitlement issue. I know we hear that a lot, right? And kids just feel like, well, you should just give it to me because I'm your kid. And a lot of parents do because we mm -hmm. love our children, right? We want to help mm -hmm. them and we want to make their lives easier than our lives. Every parent wants that for their child. Um, but, you know, having, having these things, it, it helps them feel like they are adults and they are big and part of the world uh, and have more control over their lives. So it's really interesting what happens there. Um, and then, you know, age 16 and up, this is the real heavy training time where we start talking about, are you going to college and, we're mm -hmm. not going into debt for college because I don't believe that's good debt. I know a lot of people do, and maybe that's fiery mm -hmm. to say on here, but I don't. I think it just puts kids in the hole and is one of the worst things that they can do. I also think it's predatory right now because if you think about end consumerism, the person at the end is if they actually have to pay for whatever service or product that they buy, they make choices. They make very cho interesting choices, which back to the clothing budget, right? Before they got their clothing budget, we'd go sh school shopping for clothes. My kids never once looked at a price tag. Once they oh. got a clothing budget and it was their responsibility to pay for their clothes. Oh, I guarantee you they're looking at all the price tags. They're like, oh, well, this, this shirt is $60. Nope. Let's get the $12 one, you know, and, and it, they make different choices. And so college is the same. It just drives me bonkers that student loans have become student loans and 529s. Like there's been this shaming of parents. You have to pay for your kids college because kids can't do it. So the kids don't make the choice about where to go based on a financial decision. They're not making any kind of financial decisions. And then that's why tuition just keeps going up because everybody just keeps going because it's not, it's, you know, I don't have to pay for it. My parents, or I get a student loan and nobody pays for it. And then it's not till after that they're mad. Okay. I'll be off my soapbox for that. <laughs> well, no, I, that's, that a very, a that's a very interesting, I mean, cause I actually have a freshman in college right now. It's her first semester. And so it's, yep. 
that's very um Same. that's a very good twist and it's you know i'm very proud of her yeah. like it's not all academic scholarship but a good amount so it's you know that's helped mm-hmm. a lot with and then grants and she's willing to there's a lot of scholarships out there that um that aren't even academic oh, yeah. that are available mm-hmm. um yeah there are so many them. ways like she found 19 that are she's she qualifies for and I'm like well great go for it you know so mm-hmm. yeah there are so many ways to make it there through is. college debt free and my oldest is graduating in December debt free with a degree in computer science mm-hmm. she did it all on her own like we as a family i maybe i'm stingy we give our kids $10,000 to launch their adult life once they are done with college and uh she used that 10,000 and then cash flowed all the rest and 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 did it and so it can be done. Now I have mm-hmm. another daughter who wants to be a pharma pharmacist or an anesthesiologist. That's going to be a little more tricky to get through med school without I, moms. I, I, but guess what? We invest in real estate, so it's possible, right? We, we flip a house and make fifty grand a year. Hey, that's your tuition, right? So there right. are ways to do it. Um, but um, yeah. So and then in investing. So I'm going to tell you a story about how we got our kids investing. It includes this beautiful cabin that I am sitting at right now. Um, So like I said, we own a real estate investment business and my husband and I have gotten good at uh, fixing houses. And so we flip houses and we do the live and flip method. We also do the external flip method. I have since graduated from that. Like my husband still likes it, but I I now do uh, large multifamily investing because I like that better. Um, but we still do flips, especially with the kids. So now that all five kids are in their teens, they're actually really great workers. They've been with us. They've come with us to all of our real estate investments. They've come helped us paint. They weren't very helpful when they were two, but they would come. And um, But now that they're teenagers, they are very helpful and they're getting quite skilled. I mean, all of my kids can sheetrock, do baseboard, they can tile, they can do all 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 the things. Um, now they may not be like really great craftsmen yet. They still have, you know, lots of experience to get to, to line things up evenly, <laughs> but that's okay. So one of the houses that we flipped that it was actually happened during COVID and it was really interesting because COVID struck and we were living in Phoenix at the time and we could not go anywhere. It was just complete lockdown, right? For months. Right schools shut down. I mean, it was, you guys remember COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was kind of like a nightmare, but it happened. Uh, So suddenly we're all home and we're like, well, might as well flip a house together. Let's go do it because we had nothing else that we could do. Um, And so that's what we did. So the kids worked really hard on this. They, um, they helped us, you know, eight, 10 to 12 hour days. We probably all worked together doing, doing this property. Now that property ended up going really well for us. We, we, we made over six figures on that property on that one flipped. And then we used a income shifting strategy, a tax strategy to shift income to the kids, which if you have a business, you need to know about this strategy Mm -hmm. is that you can pay your kids in your business. It essentially shifts income to them 
and they pay zero tax on it. So it's, it's, it's shifting a whole ton and just saving a lot of money in taxes. Now remember, I have five kids, so I get to save even more money, right? <laughs> like, so at the time it was $12,000 that you could shift to the kids. Now they absolutely earned that $12,000 by working in the business. Um, but so we shifted that to the kids. So that was, that represented $60,000 of the hundred grand that we mm-hmm. made that got shifted to them. We told the kids, we said, okay, of this 12,000, 10,000 of it is going to be set aside for the next investment, right? So we, we taught them this was your active income. And now the goal is to take active income and turn it into passive income. And so then we went shopping mm-hmm. as a family here in mm-hmm. lovely Broken Bow, Oklahoma, where I am right now. And we went shopping for a cabin that could be dual purpose. It'd be dual purpose as a vacation home and mm-hmm. a short-term rental. Found one that we loved. Each kid put in $10,000. Mom and dad chipped in the rest. Now each kid is 10% owner in their own passive investment. They're getting cash flow. Their uh, net worth is increasing because of the appreciation of the home. And every year in December, we come and we have a P&L family meeting where I print off the P&L of how the property is performing and we go through the line items and uh, to figure that out. So now I'm trying to teach them higher level skills than, you know, so they, when they learned the hands-on skills, now we're going after those higher level ones. And honestly, when I did the P&L thing, I was worried because I was like, are the kids even going to like this? They're, they might just look at me like, really, mom, you have to do math while we're here at the cabin. <laughs> but I was, I was floored because my kids were all into it. I printed off a copy for each kid and they were just all over it with their pencils and like needling me with questions. My youngest, she's like, mom, why was the water bill so high in May? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Cause mom didn't pay that much attention in May. I'm not sure why it was so high in May, you know? And, uh, and then we had just this, uh, the first time we did it, we just have this beautiful discussion about well, what can we do now to make this property more valuable? How can we get it more income out of it? Mm-hmm. And the kids had all these ideas. And one of the ideas that came out was like, mom, we need our cabin to be more unique and memorable. So let's build a treehouse out back. Who doesn't love a treehouse, right? I, I was, we were like, sold, let's do it. So this last summer, we spent the summer building a treehouse out back of the cabin. And they're already starting to see that it's more attractive for people like people get excited about tree houses. And so the cabin is booking up more in the fall than it was last year. And so it's, it's very exciting and for them to like experience that now. Oh my gosh. It's value add. Totally. Right. So awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. That's off to you. Noah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I want to back up for one second, and this is not in this episode, but maybe we can all come back and, and talk about this. You know that the family bank that you have, you can convert that into a real family bank, just like when you took them to the bank. In what way? What are you talking about? Where, and this is a whole other episode. I would love for you to be a part of this <laughs> as well. So I'm part of another group that teaches finance, but it's, it, it's geared towards adults, but wanting adults to then spread this to their families and their children, very much similar of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You already have the foundation. Now it's just the discipline of creating the in-home family bank. All right. Think about the Rockefellers. 
They have, yes. they are a bank. Mm-hmm. You do not have to be at the wealth level of Rockefeller folks. I have a family bank and in one year it's done, it's doing extremely well. You, you awesome. basically, you incorporate the leveraging that I asked about. I was hoping that maybe you were going to be doing this already because it seemed like <laughs> you were already there, but I found you. you will I'm start. close. I think you, I know where you're headed. I'm close. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever, so the kids want to go and they want to buy something. So, all right, they're probably a lot of them are at the age that they're going to be buying a phone. Well, usually when you get a phone, you get it from, you're actually paying, you know, monthly to pay to these for the service. Instead of doing that, buy the phone outright, and then you pay your family bank. The family bank, you borrow and you have a loan. So you're borrowing loans. The adults in the family are the ones that create a little bit of a stream of income, or maybe the cabin could be the stream of income that feeds the bank so it starts with a certain amount. But then once you start deploying those loans, it starts to feed itself, and it Mm -hmm. snowballs, and it snowballs very fast. And then you have your own family bank. You learn all the finances that you're talking about right now. And eventually with your kids, maybe not the second generation could very well be a large enough bank where when someone wants to buy a home, they come to the family bank to buy one. Mm-hmm. It's that much yeah. velocity. I, so I read that book, the the Rockefeller way. And that is exactly how I'm trying to set up my family and, and continue going. Right. So one of my right. dreams, one of my goals is to have a family office, my own family office someday and that, awesome. that will support the family in lots of ways. And, and yes, using the leverage of, Hey, you want to start a business? Great. I would love to support your business. Here's some money to start it. And now you pay it back so that the next person can do the same thing. So, but thank you, Candace. I, I didn't think about starting it right now because now I always thought it was like a, a further away thing, but no, that's, that's fascinating. Your fam- and your family is primed. I mean, it's like, I want to come in your house. They are so primed to, they'll get it. I mean, it's, it's hard to introduce this to a family who has not done this before. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still working on my extended family without them thinking that I'm trying to introduce them to some kind of Ponzi scam because Mm -hmm. they don't think about it we are taught just like you were saying with education and and just throwing your money to a college and coming out with not not a, a, a not the same amount of money you put in as what you come out with mm-hmm. and so to be able to to implement this in your house we're taught to be consumers so you have mm-hmm. to undo the well-trained well-worn grooves of what we've been taught for a long time to be consumers and come to all of your finances as a as a banker and that is a very difficult thing and when you're in the process of doing it you probably already or or would not be experiencing this as much but when I was first introduced to this concept and it was only three years ago that was I really implementing it the the, my brain would slow down and it would feel like it was all right I'm going to date myself on you now talk about CDs but (laughs) you know like what a CD would skip yeah just be like that, 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 that. You because it's like, am I, am I being a banker? Am I being a consumer? Is it a banker or a consumer? Um, but then eventually, you, it just flows. Just like your kids are like, hmm, let me take a look at that price tag. Oh, I don't want to pay that money. I'll, I'll make mm-hmm. a different choice. And it's like 
how can I make this $1 work for me twice? And that's mm-hmm. what it does. And that's how the family bank works. Mm-hmm. So I, I love it. I am inspired. Thank you. Thank you for oh, that. I, and I, I don't want to do it on the podcast because we're really here to talk more about you know, focusing <laughs> on you. But we can have another episode if you want to talk about this. I can talk to you about, you know, off, off screen as well. It's just uh-huh. phenomenal what this has done. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's let's roll into... Well, does any, did Tamara or Crystal, did you have any questions about the fabulous uh, stories that we've heard so far? Well, just, um, I think she's touched upon really what, what, what kept, I kept resonating in my mind of the benefits, like, and the, the things that like surprised you, the biggest surprise. And you already touched upon that, like going over a PL at that eight, it's just, that's amazing. You know, there's so many people that I think, I mean, even older adults that don't even know what that is. Do you know? I mean, not to, just because they haven't been, yeah. they haven't been exposed to that or they haven't been in that arena and, you know, nothing against anyone, but they, you know, just you expose them to something and things you opened up their minds in such a way that, so if you could elaborate on any other benefits that you think like that surprised you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I- the other thing I want to say is like, I I've painted this glowing picture of my children as being always so happy to like fix houses and stuff, but just reality check, right? I have normal teenagers half the time. They don't want to be there. They don't want to work. Right. Like it, it is, I have very normal family that that are not, they, they don't get concepts right away. I had a daughter that cried during, during payday because she had made $20 that month. And then you know, she had to like, she only got to keep 10 of it is, is how her mind worked because we took away 10 and I didn't want that. And I've made 20, you know? And so like it, it had like, it's, yes, we have had a normal family. Um, but I, and, and have I forgotten paydays? Yes. We've gone like three months where I didn't do it as consistent as I should have. And, you know, but here's the thing is just, just, if you make a consistent, uh, effort, the kids are going to get the concept and mm-hmm. they're going to, they're going to understand and they're going to be light years ahead. And I think the other thing that surprised me is when my daughter went off to college, I sat there thinking, I'm like, have I taught her enough? Does she know yeah. enough mm-hmm. to like manage everything? I'm just not mm-hmm. sure. So she gets to college mm-hmm. and within two months she's calling me and she's like, mom, my roommates are terrible with money. They have no, no idea how it works. And she started like doing budgeting sessions with her roommates and like putting Mm -hmm. together spreadsheets for them. (laughs) And she started doing all this. And really, I was like, girl, you need to be an influencer on online for other college students. Maybe she'll get there someday. I don't know. She's she's like, I don't know, mom. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but, but she is like leading the charge and, and people are gravitating towards her because she knows how money works. Um, and so that's been really, uh, fascinating to, to, to see and, and gratifying as a, as a mother to yeah. know that the, the kids are, they really have learned a lot and I have been able to like put them ahead of the game and, you know, in a, in, in this really crucial space. And it's really interesting mm-hmm. because a lot of, a lot of kids go off to college and then they just blow their money or they, they make really bad decisions. Mm-hmm which puts, sets them back, sets them back so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not, I'm just like, yeah, we're not, 
we're not going to do that. Let's, let's stay close. We're, you know, we're going to work on money. So, I mean, not only did my daughter cash flow her college degree, she took a three month trip to Bali that she paid for herself. And she spent three months in Bali <laughs> traveling yeah. like with a roommate at first and then solo for a while. And, you know, and, and was able to, to, to do that. And it, and it's not because she had like a bajillion dollars to start out with. She just has learned how to be really good with her, with her money. And so I think those are some of the things that, that were surprising to me. Oh, That's awesome. Well, I just want to thank you for a few things that you just said. Like yeah. as you were going through all of that, like, I'm like, oh my God, like talk about super mom. Like you're doing all of these, like, I'm like, oh my God, I want to be on your level with my, I have two daughters. And I'm like, that's, this is my goal. I have a four and a six month old, four year old and a six month old. And I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. And I was like, I feel myself like, oh my gosh, okay. I need to write all this down. I can't forget this. I can't forget that. And then when you said, you know, it, I have a normal family. It, like it's, it took me back. I'm like, huh, you know what? It's okay to miss. Like it's okay. Yep. And it just like, I instantly felt weight off my shoulders and were like, you know what? I'm a normal mm -hmm. human too. And things are going to get missed and forgotten <laughs> as it does. And so first saying that, and it's like, you know, every mom knows it in the back of their head, but just saying that really helped for, I hope for myself, I hope for all yeah. the listeners. As well. uh -huh, totally. the None of us are super moms, right? I think we all have our skills. We all have our strengths. Money just happens to be one of my strengths. Don't ask me about crafting with my kids. I'm not doing it. I, I'm terrible at it. I, I hate it. And the kids know it and they laugh at me about it now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do, I, I, you know, I can't do stuff like that. I can't be cutesy with the kids. I'm terrible at birthdays. Like what, you know, you celebrate the birthday, but it's not cute. It's not great, you know, but my kids know about money. So I don't know. <laughs> That's everybody shows love in a different way. And that was your way of expressing the love. And That's right. Just the fact you that your, your oldest is going through life as she is now, I'm sure she looks back and sees and feels like, look what I've gotten. That's priceless. Mm -hmm. The fact the information and knowledge that she's gotten from you is allowing her to clearly live her best life is awesome. And I'm <laughs> sure that's tenfold more important than anything else. And obviously yeah. the time you guys spent together must've had crucial benefits. And that's just, that's another thing yeah. I just absolutely love. And I want to do with our daughters, like literally do fix and flip just so we can all work together. I think work ethics is so important and you mm -hmm. never want anyone to feel entitled just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, so I just love all of that. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was absolutely fantastic. I, I just, I'm, I'm just in awe of how, and the, the, one of the other beautiful things about it is that your, your daughter recognized and wanted to help the other kids. You know, it wasn't, mm -hmm. she didn't, she, she was, she did it. And I think this also, she did the, the helping aspect of it. I'll finish my sentence so you can follow my train of thought, but she did it because she wanted to help. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that you also talked about giving in the very beginning as part of the banking. And um, a lot of times we just think about money, how we keep it, keep it close, you know, mm -hmm. all of that, but you implement, to implement all of that at the same time, I think it's easier to process and how, mm -hmm. how we handle it, what it's for, what is this tool that we have that creates so much friction in, yep. in, in the world and how can we do it so it's not, not doing that. And I think that was, um, oh my gosh, I am just so happy with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned like generational wealth. Like, so yes. yes, did you want to like 
elaborate a little more just for our listeners about that term is it's pretty it's pretty loosely used you know mm-hmm. if you're in this yes. arena you know so what what what, what it's would an, you it's an interesting topic? term mm-hmm. too because when people think generational wealth i think the first common definition that pops into your mind is passing money down to your right. family right Mm-hmm. For me, it's different. For me, generational wealth is passing down the ability for my children to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different thing, right? Mm-hmm. Having the money in your hands is is different than having the ability to generate as much money as you could ever want. And so that's the thing that's super important to me is, is passing down the training and the knowledge and the, uh, you know, and just the, the philosophy, you know, the way you, way we think about it is different in our family than even like their cousins might think about it. And so, okay. because they're, they're being trained in a different way. And so, uh, that's, what's super important to me in, in terms of generational wealth is, is just the transfer of knowledge and, and doing it together, right? I mean, this whole investment together in this, thing. I, I just want to dispel the myth of like families can't do business together or can't be do money stuff together. That's not true, right? I, you know, it's going to ruin your family if you if you do that. Thanksgiving's going to be awful if you like invest together. I just don't believe that's true. I think families can do it in a very healthy way and, uh, and, and, you know, a supportive way where everybody's kind of working on their piece of the business and, and doing their aspects of, uh, you know, like, I am a huge believer in family businesses and, and, you know, training, training the kids up as they go. Now, of course, kids have their freedom. They have the freedom to choose, especially as they become adults. And, and, you know, as we're going into this, like my oldest daughter, she is, she loves tech, right? So she's doing computer science, but she also has developed a spreadsheet that says, okay, as soon as I get my first year in tech, I'm going to invest half of that. And this is, ex- I'm going to invest it in these passive investments that are going to grow. I'm the girl's going to be a millionaire, but well before I ever did it. And, you know, and because she knows how to do it. Um, and then one of my other twin daughters that just graduated high school, she decided that college is not her path. She wants to be a general mm-hmm. contractor. She wants to have her own house flipping business. So she just launched her business it's called TNT construction and she <laughs> launched her own business. And now she's flipping houses and, and learning as she goes and learning how to talk to subs and, and, and do all of that and, and get the work done. Um, and so we'll see what everybody chooses to do. But, um, the, you know, I, I think all families should have a family cabin they invest in together because it's such an amazing training thing and memory builder. So I mean, mm-hmm. every time and it's a write off. I mean, every time we come here, it's like for free. We, we get to come here for free on vacation as a family. Uh, you know, all the food we do, all, all the food you eat. I mean, everything that happens because right. we're having our family meetings. We're having our business meetings. The other nice thing about being as a family is you can use all the tech strategies to like this. You can write off your, basically write off your life, right? Write off your vacations. You know, right. we go to Hawaii as a family and we have a business meeting while we're there and we shoot content while we're there. And, and, you know, and so you can write off a lot of that. And so again, teaching kids how money works, that if you're, if you're a W2 employee, you earn income, you pay tax, then you spend it. If you're a business owner, you earn income, you spend it, 
then you pay tax. And how, and that just flipping mm-hmm. that one little thing makes a huge, huge difference in their, in their lives. And so, and, and, you know, and you can teach it to kids when they're young. They can learn stuff like this. It's not that mm-hmm. hard. We play lots of financial games. We do, you know, I even have another great tip for um, your teenagers is to have them follow financial influencers on TikTok, right? They're TikTok. They're on their phones all the time. Anyway, you might as well say, Hey, follow these 10 TikTokers that teach the financial topics that you mm-hmm. have researched that you think that they are teaching the right things. Like don't just do mm-hmm. any financial influencer yeah. because a lot of them don't have any clue what they're talking about, <laughs> but find the right ones. Say, Hey kids follow. Right. So then they're getting a daily mm-hmm. dose of money information um, as they, as they are scrolling through and, and laughing at, you know, people falling off of, trees or something right i want to touch on just one tiny little um little thing you were talking about where we go back to generational wealth i think another myth is that just the word wealth and generational Mm -hmm. wealth it it's almost unreachable for a lot of people when those words are put together they they think of the rockefellers they don't think that wealth is when you have more money than what you spend it can be one dollar, and you can be your cash flowing. And mm-hmm. I think we put, as society, we put a labels on all these things, and that therefore, kind of, you know, upper limiting beliefs keep us small. To know that generational wealth, your wealth and what your what your needs mm-hmm. and what your wants are, may not necessarily be somebody that that wants to own, you know, the five or six houses. It's what your needs and what your wants are, and if you can achieve those, that you've reached your generational wealth. You've reached mm-hmm. wealth that, and that obviously as we expand, we tend to want more because we have the experiences that then open our minds and it, it, it just doesn't shut. We just want to continue to get to grow. It doesn't yeah. mean that we have to, we're not continuing to grow our expenses. They, that kind of comes with the territory, but there's a, there's a part there that I think a lot of people just kind of shut down around mm-hmm. that. Do you find that as well or from a comment? Yes. On? Yes. Right. So I, I think people do when they say generational wealth, they're like, oh, well, that means you have to have tens and or hundreds of millions of dollars in order mm-hmm. to pass that down to other generations. But you're right. You don't, you know, there and, and even generational wealth doesn't have to be uh, necessarily like money transferring. Although we are entering, it's interesting because we're entering a really big money transfer phase where boomers have Mm -hmm. a lot of money and Mm -hmm. how that gets transferred is going to be really interesting how it, how it plays out. And -hmm. actually a lot more women are in the roles to receive the money. And that's another reason why I'm super passionate about teaching, you know, women in, in, in general is because, um, they need to be prepared. Otherwise, what happens? Mm-hmm. I mean, the like the data is clear. By the third generation, the money's gone, essentially, because right. the second generation didn't understand how to manage it. And so that's what's crucial here is how do you manage it? How do you how how do you make good decisions about investments um, at, at at kind of higher levels? Um, and so that's you know that's a lot of what I am like diving into research on right now and learning more about and 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 teaching is is how do you really manage many dollars right so how do you graduate mm-hmm. from being a four hundred one k investor 
to a level two investor. So what happens at level two? And then what happens at level three and four and five and, and all of those different levels as you continue to conquer new levels, there's always something new to learn. And it's kind of fun, actually. I think it's fun. I think it's fun yeah. to like open up this whole wide world of investing. I mean, I can invest in a fund that supports uh, entrepreneurial women in Africa. And it'll give me a return and I'm going to feel so good about myself because I'm like helping people, you know? So there's, there's so many cool things you can do with investing. Wow. I just say, (laughs) I could continue talking forever. (laughs) Well, Camilla, actually, if our listeners wanted to reach out to you and learn more about you, um, where exactly would they reach you? Yeah. So an easy place is at my podcast. I have a podcast called Quiet Wealth. Um, believe it or not, I'm an introvert um, and I just, I like to stay home <laughs> and just fix my own houses, you know, or, or, or talk on my podcast. Um, but that's where I'm teaching. It's specifically for women in their forties and fifties, teaching them next level investing, business building, and how to leave a legacy for your family. I actually just recorded episode 100 where I, it's called give a million. So it's, it's talking about wealth in a different way. How do you build enough wealth so that you could give away a million dollars in your lifetime while you're still alive and see the impact that that would have? So that's a very interesting concept. So that was, um, that was exciting. So that's a really great way to find me. Also, you know, Camilla Jeffs, I think I'm the only Camilla Jeffs in the world. Like on link, you can find me on LinkedIn or um, Instagram under that. Um, just use my name. And um, that's one of the best ways to connect with me. Wow. Awesome. 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 Um, well, we also like to end each podcast with kind of a thought provoking pick a quote of the day. And Tamara has three cards here. Um, and can you pick a number one through three to tell us what our quote of the day will be? Mm, I'll go with number three. The number three is a wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart by Jonathan Mm. Swift. Okay. In their head, but not in their heart. I think when you lead with your heart, you're right. The heart doesn't lead with money. You know, you don't need money to be loved. You don't need money to give love. Um, but there is a lot of stuff you can do with, with money, um, if it's in the right hands. And, and that's another part of my mission is like, how do we get money in the right hands, uh, so that we can create more impact? Yeah. I feel like money has the affiliation that it actually has feelings as if it has power Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's. It's simply a tool, like a wrench, mm-hmm. a toolbox, and it's just how you yep. use it. Um, yep. then- and I teach my kids that money is not the goal and yes. money is not the enemy, right? It's neither the goal nor the enemy. It's hmm. just simply the tool and it flows into our lives and we're grateful for it and it flows out and we're grateful it flows out, right? Because I, I think, and, and that's also trying to knock off scarcity mindset. So if you right. have a scarcity mindset, you're like hoarding your money or you're always worried that you're not going to have enough. 
And, right. and you've got to release that because you've got to just be grateful when it comes in. And then, you know, I have a, a child who really struggles to spend money. Like she, she just does not want to spend her money. And she just, it, it's, it, it's frustrating because she needs a new pair of shoes and we go shopping and we go to like seven stores and she won't buy a dang pair of shoes. And I'm like, girl, come on, you've got to buy it. But it's this struggle of, of money. And so I'm, I'm trying, I'm teaching her the concept of let's be grateful for what money can give you. Right. So money goes out, say, thank you. Thanks for your help. Right. You got me this pair of shoes and now I have a new pair of shoes that are really cute. I feel good in my new shoes, you know, and so teaching these concepts is just like, you know, having the money is just that tool is so critical because Mm -hmm then you're raising people with very healthy um, attitudes and towards money rather than the unhealthy kind where, where you're just either hoarding it or you're always after it, you're always pursuing it or, or, you know, you never feel like you have enough. It's just this never ending wheel that you can get stuck on for sure. Yep. That's exactly what, what that, that quote kind of brings up. If it's in your head, you think about it logically. You realize this is something I need. It's right. a tool. It's not something that you are in love with. You don't love money. You love what the money can do for you, like you said. So that's exactly what that brings up for me. And oh man, I think we could just go on and on about all of this overall. Mm-hmm. Camille, this was just absolutely fabulous. Everything that you've taught your children, I hope not only the parents, but everyone out there that's looking to essentially teach themselves some financial education because maybe mm-hmm. that's why they're here on the podcast. You know, that's why this episode intrigued them because, you know, they, they want to get some more financial education. So even if you don't have little ones, you can take all of these things and do it for yourself. Maybe you and a friend or your significant other, you guys teach each other. Um, because you know, once you have enough knowledge to actually teach, that's how, you know, you truly know something. So right. take it up, absorb it, and then go and teach it to somebody else, because that's just going to be reiterating it to yourself. So overall, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge that you have with us. Um, and we have to wrap it up here, even though we could chat forever. <laughs> so um, not only we do, we want to thank you, Camilla, we want to thank um, all of our listeners out there for joining us at our roundtable discussion today. Um, and if you want to learn more, please feel free to um, not only check out Camilla on Instagram, but of course us, the real estate women, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and then our website is therealestatewomen.com. So thank you, Camilla, again. Thank you, listeners. Um, I hope you guys all have a fabulous day. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.